0: BYOD policies are a necessity, but anytime employees rely more heavily on their own mobile devices for file sharing and saving, the risk of security breaches dramatically increases. For banking institutions, these risks are a growing concern. So how are institutions ensuring that they're adequately managing their risks? Here, James Gordon of Needham Bank, a $1.2 billion institution in Massachusetts, discusses steps Needham is taking to ensure sensitive documents remain secure even when they are shared with parties within and outside the bank. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. James, can you give our audience some background about the challenges that your institution faced where mobile device security and file sharing are concerned?
1: Certainly. Well, very early on, we were an early adopter of the iOS platform, iPhones in 2008, and iPads in 2007. So um, we've kind of been on the front lines for the battlefield of deploying those devices. And as such, utilizing them how in different capacities. Certainly first was low-hanging fruit of just email. Currently, we're having more and more discussions about how to have more committee meetings over iPads, how to be taking notes over iPads, how we can use these for more than just an email device. So as that shift started to happen, um, we had to react in, in tandem and make sure we were able to satisfy those users. So we researched a number of different solutions to satisfy the file sharing requirements, collaboration requirements, and really, I see the whole world going mobile in terms of collaboration. SharePoint was a great tool for its time, but still, people were really relegated to their desks. Now, with the advent of things like what we use internally is Excelion, it really lets people free free up their their time. And from a BYOD perspective, the requirements we we've really slowed down on managing the devices, and have really picked up our game on managing the data and the content which is re- where all the risk is. There's no risk inherently in a, in a device, but depending on the, the data that's on the device, that introduces risk.
0: So what types of policies, James, did your institution have to address from a BYOD perspective?
1: So it really run the gamut of it, brokering that deal with the end user of what they can do, what they can't do, what we can do as the bank, what we can't do. Uh, first and foremost uh, are things like who's responsible for the device. You know, if it gets run over if it gets broken, if somebody takes it to the gym, you know, that that is no longer our responsibility, and the end users know that. It used to be in past years that the end users would break a device off hours and then expect the IT department to replace that. Fast forward to now, you know, we we made it very clear that we're going to pay for the initial device typing, but should something happen, accidents, damage, you know, unrelated to the bank, that those are not our concerns anymore. And some of the other policies that we've enacted that have given the users a moment of pause if they didn't quite understand them. For example, we have a wireless network here at the bank, and that wireless network is protected uh, where there's certain sites you can get to, certain sites you can't get to, we still want to be productive. And so when these phones, on the bank's wireless network, we do that to augment their own data charges. They're not incurring a data charge, per se, while they're at the bank because they're on this wireless network, but there's certain things they can't get to. So a good example is I had a user that came to me and he wanted to look up last night's lottery and that was blocked due to gambling, and I I very easily explained to him that, yeah, that's blocked due to gambling, but if you were to walk away from the bank, step out of the bank's doors, for example, and that wireless network is no longer present, that you'll be able to get to that gambling site or be able to look up the lottery numbers very easily. It's just that during banking hours when you're on the bank's network using a bank-subsidized device, you know, BYOD certainly, we're still subsidizing a a strong portion of that device, you're not going to be able to get to that content, but we're not going to restrict that content when you're off-premises, at home, doing whatever you want to do. That That is up to you and what you want to pay for and what you want to do. So those are some examples of things we've looked at um, and certainly managing the data in, in the devices without going to tell people what apps they can and can't have but saying, here, if you do have a bank-owned app, here's how the bank-owned apps are going to function and here's how they're not going to function. And that's been key to having a good adoption is letting people know exactly where the boundaries are and what we can and can't do.
0: What types of regulatory and or compliance issues did you have to consider?
1: I think the the biggest thing is definitely, can we erase the the user's phone? Can we, should we, will we, won't we? And the, the net reality of that is we probably can't erase the user's phone, nor do we want to erase the user's phone. And most importantly, we don't need to erase the user's iPhone anymore. So we'll certainly have policies from a compliance standpoint that, We call them lost or stolen policies, that if the device is lost, that an erase will initiate after X number of failed passcode attempts. And that's not the IT department erasing the phone, but that the end user has lost control of their device through some means, no longer remembers their password to get back into the phone, and then thus something else happens to erase the phone. Um, No longer when people terminate employment, though, are we erasing their phones or their iPads but now we have the capability to essentially do what's a selective wipe. We remove the applications that the bank has installed on those, that there are bank-sponsored applications, and thus that separates any ties back to the banking systems and separates the data, in essence. So those are the chief regulatory concerns that I think people have had. Um, we've been through many an audit and have had no problem. They pretty much understand why the need is for users don't want to carry around two phones anymore, so the need for BYOD is very clear, it's just uh, determining where that separation ends and where who's responsible for what situation.
0: Now, Needham opted for a secure enterprise solution, which you touched on briefly in the introduction, James. Can you explain a bit more about this solution?
1: Sure. So the solution is called Excelion. Uh, we actually renamed it and rebranded it ourselves a little bit because we had a little bit of pizzazz and wanted to call it uh NB Exchange, Needham Bank Exchange. And so it's a solution that does many things, actually, but one of the things it does and one of the chief reasons I bought it was it played very nicely on the iPhones and iPads and had a very strong tie-in to our existing MDM partner, uh, MobileIron. So essentially what happens, or what, what it is, is mobile content collaboration and file sharing. So users who have the app on their iPads or iPhones have essentially all the same file access that they would as just if they were sitting in front of the computer in the classical bland WAN scenario, except they're mobile and wireless and free to do what they want. Where Excelion comes in is we're able to containerize that content and make sure there are policies and rules so that content can't be exfiltrated to other unknown third-party applications. And and as such, when the content is in the iPhone or iPad, they can edit the content just as they would in in Office, uh, Microsoft PowerPoint, Microsoft Excel or Microsoft Word, and Excelion has applications that are fully compatible with that right down to the track changes features. So a user could still be accessing it in the mobile world, in the physical world, and it will behave very, very similar. Uh, Additionally, one of the things we found a lot of strength in is PDF annotations. Like many other banks, I'm sure, that have a lot of committee meetings, we're no different. We have a lot of committee meetings, and this need to actually share the same PDF or sets of PDFs and we're all going to take notes on them and then destroy them shortly after the meeting ends. But now we're able to do that electronically, and not only does it save some paper and some time, but really eliminates that last-minute rush to the copier where, you know, 30 people are all going to the copier to print out that same 30- or 40-page document. Because now they can just grab it on their iPad, review it, and then when the meeting's done, then they can just securely delete it. And so there's some cost savings of the paper, but really the time efficiency of not having that last-minute a copy or scramble, as I like to call it.
0: So how did this solution that you chose, James, address integration concerns with legacy file systems, such as SharePoint?
1: So part and parcel, one of the reasons I chose it is it's really a data anywhere product. They have something that they call workspaces, and that's their own proprietary sharing technology. It actually plugs right into SharePoint, and anybody that has a, an existing SharePoint repository, it just reflects that right onto the, the iPad or iPhone, or I should say Android or Blackberries as well because it works with that, and it works with Windows Mobile, too, but um, we don't have a strong base of those. So, yeah, there's no extra work to do, and it doesn't create more data silos. It actually, for us, it eliminates a lot of the data silos and gives a single pane of glass to where users can, if the document's in SharePoint, they can pull it up in SharePoint. If the document was in a native Windows File Share and they had access to it before, in the mobile world and the Excelion world, they'll have access to it then as well. So, for us, it's a single pane of glass where they can, look at all their documents, whether they're in SharePoint, on a file share, or in a traditional Excelian workspace.
0: Were there any third-party risks that you had to address, James, from a vendor management perspective?
1: Well, for us, one of the things I'm I'm very strong on and one of the things I'm encouraging a lot of my peers to do is instead of outsourcing the risk via a cloud provider, um, is to build their own internal cloud. So I think there's a lot of things that are going to be attractive to some banks and, and some non-banks that, that do banking, And they'll want to use and leverage these services that are basically third-party risk, third-party cloud risk. Um, For us, it was about finding a partner that we could have software installed in-house where we didn't have to adhere or didn't have to look at the cloud computing guidelines because this is an on-premise solution. So that was huge for us, is finding a solution that was feature-rich, allowed us to do all the things we wanted to do, gave us control of the data, and still made us responsible from a risk management standpoint without outsourcing it to a third-party IT provider like a Dropbox. You can't outsource risk. I'd rather have the data in-house and know exactly what's going on with it myself. So that was key.
0: So talking about managing uh, some of the risk in-house, did you consider any options for managing file sharing in-house?
1: So strangely enough, with the file sharing technology, there's not a ton of Vendors, actually, there's no vendors that have been in the game as long as Excellion has, from my part of view. There was a, a solution, Mobile Echo, and I believe they got acquired by Acronis. I'm still not quite sure that that partnership has been fully realized or the goals have been fully realized, and, and so Mobile Echo did a similar file share, SharePoint, reverberation. And then I think my prediction, really, for 2014 and 2015 now that we're almost here at 2014 is is this explosion of content collaboration, Everybody now has one of these devices, and they've had one of these I devices in their hand, and they're, they're like, okay, so now what? We've done email. Now, what? now, now where's, the, where's the rubber meet the road? And I think CIOs are going to be wise to look to content and content collaboration as the next logical alternative to say, well, okay, here we go. This is what we're going to do next.
0: And so then, James, before we close, what final advice would you like to offer to other institutions? Pick your partners
1: wisely. Make a decision early on if you're going to be a vendor management shop or if you're going to be an IT shop, because that's the decision that's going to loom for a lot of CIOs in the next coming 18 to 24 months. Is it technology we manage or is it vendors we manage? Because the lines are kind of being drawn along that framework, and I'm, I'm going to be on the technology side. Uh, I, I believe the vendors have not enough vested interest in my own security, uh, as we can see from some of these recent breaches, maybe at Target or other ones. And uh, I think it's incumbent upon every CIO to manage their own security risk uh, and and vendor risk. But for me, I'm going to try to choose a solution first that puts the the software in-house and then manage it from there.
0: James, I'd like to thank you again for your time this morning. You're welcome. Again, we've just heard from James Gordon of Needham Bank. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.